I've always seen those mentors. And so I try to be that for other people to help them make those decisions along the way, because architecture is not for everyone. But if you know all the ins and outs and how many different facets and paths you can go on, it's not just one path. You don't have to go down a very linear licensure path and own a firm. You can do so many things with it. And I don't think we empower the young professionals to know that. Welcome to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it! This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Bright Lights, it's Angela. And as you know, at Architecting, the big focus is on getting you clarity around what you are uniquely meant to contribute as an architect so you can be that unflinching advocate for the things that matter to you and that will make a difference for others. I'm always excited when I meet someone who is out there making a difference and really letting their purpose guide them. And sometimes our purpose is being a mentor. That is what today's guest, Caitlin Rosier, is really all about. She is herself a mid-career architect, but she saw in the people that she mentored that there were a lot of roadblocks to getting licensed and in really feeling comfortable acquiring the skills that you need to get ahead. So she created her own company to meet that need. It really is an inspiration for all of us that the container of practice doesn't have to be the only space that you play in. There is so much more you can be doing to make a difference in this world. And I always love it when I find people who are about something bigger than themselves, bigger than their own career, because they want to make a difference in how architects show up in the world. You're really going to enjoy hearing Caitlin's story, as well as learning a little bit more about what she is up to with her company, Mentor Dino. This could be a benefit either to you or if you know someone else who needs that support on that all-important career milestone of getting licensed. So listen in. Today, I am really excited to have as my guest, Caitlin Rosier. Caitlin is the founder of a company called Mentor Dino. And she is all about advocating for young professionals to really build a career on a solid foundation. So welcome, Caitlin. Hi, Angela. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me how you got from wanting to be an architect, working in practice, but then deciding that that wasn't enough, that we needed to have (laughs) this thing called Mentor Dino. Like most people, I started getting interested in architecture back in like middle school, high school. And I've always been into like art and, you know, I've done the building blocks, but that was kind of the light bulb moment for me that I'm like, oh, I can do this as a career and ended up 
doing drafting classes all the way through high school. When I talk to people now and I say I have 16 years of experience with Revit, they don't believe me because it's more than how long I've been in the industry. Really that drafting and art side is what drove my passion for becoming an architect and really kind of putting me out there and going out on a limb. It was also kind of the first time like, nope, I'm going to do this. It's my own direction. So that's how I started getting into it and went to school at Kent State University, got my bachelor's and master's degree from there, but also multitasked while I was up there. I was a Kent State tour guide and I loved taking young professionals around campus, telling them about campus so they could learn and make a decision for themselves. But I also found myself gravitating to the architecture and interior department as well. Anytime there was a student that came in, the other tour guides were like, you take them because they couldn't answer the questions that those students and parents were asking. I did that all the way through my master's in helping bring people into architecture at the college level side. Once I graduated, it was Still a little bit left over from the 2008 recession. Jobs were slim. And so I was fortunate enough to be able to find a job at a local firm that gave me a lot of experience. I was in the field all the time and dealt with some difficult challenges along the way. And there were a few people outside that project team that really mentored me through those challenges because I actually almost left the profession. That's how bad the challenges were on that project. And it was those mentors that got me through it and showcased how much I've learned and grown. And they kept me in the industry and I'm still good friends with them, even though I don't work in that firm anymore. Back then I knew the power of mentoring and helping others. And I actually started blogging back then. It was all just about helping other people and talking to people going through difficult situations. I wanted to do more with it. I always did. I had that drive that I can give back and do more. And it was a lot to work through. I had a lot of imposter syndrome, like I'm not good enough. What am I talking about? And it took me a lot of time to start figuring out a course that I could do or something to add to the blog to do something. And it paused again, I think it was right before 2020, trying to balance my time outside of architecture and valuing my time with family and friends and not wanting to take my entire life and focus it around architecture. So I paused it again because I couldn't quite get past the small group learning. And then when COVID hit, it would have been a great time to really put it all together, but I still couldn't have that confidence. But finally seeing, hey, recordings can happen and what you can do to leverage and have more conversations with more people. I'm on the East Coast. How can I help people in California, but not have to be up at midnight? Mentor Dino was formed early 2023. So launching mentor dino officially was really relieving and <laughs> just getting the name out there on stuff i'd been working on because i actually started working on the content at the end of 2022 and then the blog side's really taken off as well we're in a panel discussion at my firm i work full-time at smith group and we talked about the ares and just showcasing experiences i got to see the three people i brought in have such different stories and they were also so different from my own and i was like we need to tell more stories and celebrate people getting through because so many times you're going through the licensure process by yourself. The reasoning behind my mentor Dino now was to help people. And so it all went along the same line of helping people in the industry and getting through challenging times. I actually started that side on the blog and running a series. And I was just going to do weekly, but it took off. And I had so many people willing to share their stories that I had to up it to two days a week. It's been very busy, but it's so much fun. Architecture is kind of my nine to five working through projects. And I still love 
problem solving and the design side, but it's really the passion for people. And that's what Mentor Dino is. So it can excite me to go into work and to talk to people and be on podcasts. Like I would have never thought in January that I'd be on a podcast this year. What I'm kind of picking up is how you've been this cheerleader for the profession, even when you were still in school because you were giving the tours. So I'm curious, what did you say to make people excited about coming to Kent State and majoring in architecture? And is it the same thing you'd say today? (laughs) Definitely wish I had more of the professional world side because I could give them insights to what studios like because so many students in high school have no idea what a studio class is or what that studio culture is. So that was one of the biggest components that I wanted to show them and see people. I try to get them in and at least take a look. But a lot of the questions I would get is just, hey, I've heard this is hard. I, I hear you pull a bunch of all-nighters. And really just teaching people, yeah, you can pull all-nighters, but you need to learn to manage your time because sleep's important and school is about teaching you for the real world. If you're going to constantly stretch, can't make decisions and pull all-nighters, that's going to extend into the real world and it doesn't have to. But I couldn't really always answer the questions on what does an architect do on a regular basis? Because again, I was in school during the recession, so I didn't get an internship until I had an undergrad degree. I didn't even get those experiences in the real world till later. But now I feel like I could still talk to the high school students. I still do. I know I got that advice whenever I was in high school. My dad actually knew an architect, so I was able to meet them at Starbucks and just ask them questions. I also shadowed at a firm while in high school, just, you know, job shadow, see what's going on. And he ended up being one of my first project managers when I had my full-time job. So I had to give him his really old card and be like, I've known you a long time. I've always seen those mentors. And so I try to be that for other people to help them make those decisions along the way because architecture is not for everyone. But if you know all the ins and outs and how many different facets and paths you can go on, it's not just one path. You don't have to go down a very linear licensure path and own a firm. You can do so many things with it. And I don't think we empower the young professionals to know that. That's very true. They see this very myopic view of what architecture is, and it's usually patterned after the architect, the lone wolf out there, yep. when that isn't how most firms are actually structured at all. And a lot of the time, the opportunities you want come when you have the clarity to ask for them. You don't need to be a principal. You could be perfectly fine. You could specialize, you could be an advocate for architects outside of an architecture firm. There's real estate facilities, education. There's so many different paths and it's fun to see where everybody goes and just what we do and what impact we can have. And our education really lines us up to kind of handle a lot of things and handle very complex problem solving and challenges along the way that other industries I think are learning the power of an architecture education. We're dealing with an ill-defined problem to which there is no right answer. And so what you learn in school is that your success is judged by how you framed the problem that you wanted to solve, which is a good skill to have. However, when you actually get out into practice, there's less opportunities to say, well, this is what I want to solve and more of what does my client want me to solve? 
But I think it's important that you never lose touch with that why, because that's what will make you interested. And that's what you can mm -hmm. uniquely bring. So that same client could ask 10 different architects to solve their problem, but you are going to do it your way. So how do you help yeah. people find their voice? It's really just giving them that confidence and listening to what they want and what they're thinking and then aligning them with other people that either are already doing that. Um, I've learned a lot about the power of relationships and connections, not just with other architects, but our clients, contractors, engineers. It's a whole profession really surrounded by relationships and design's just part of it. I try to figure out what got you here? What are you looking to do? Because there's always going to be things we don't like. But if you can start to carve your own path to do more things you like, it can drive you in that direction. Or if you're interested in something, I try to just make sure they can experience it because you never know. If you've never done healthcare, you've done some science and tech, but labs getting boring to you, healthcare may be a good alternative. And it's like, okay, there's still a high tech part of healthcare, but has more of a human side to it. And they may like that. Or if they're looking for that fast pace, they may actually really like workplace. Just trying to listen to people and help them discover themselves. Because sometimes we just need out of our own head to hear what we've been hearing. Or I always challenge people to talk to other people. Like if they're trying to figure out their own strengths and weaknesses, you can go take any one of those online tests and analyze it that way. But I feel it's more beneficial when you talk to somebody that you trust and try to be more vulnerable with them and say, what are my strengths to you? And you'll find there's a common theme on your strengths among the people you work with. And there's usually at least one that you don't realize is a strength and you may feel you're actually inadequate in it. And you need those people to boost your confidence to know, yeah, no, you know what you're doing on that. And I trust you on this. That's kind of where I focus my time when I'm usually mentoring people in the office or in the region, just trying to figure out them as a whole. I even had somebody locally, he got laid off from his firm. And so he reached out to me because of Mentor Dino um, and he was interested in Smith Group. And I said, wait, let's back up because every firm is so unique, just as unique as you and I are. And so it's let's back up and see what are you interested in? Actually, based on your interests, you may not align with what our needs are right now. And I just lined him up with different connections at firms that made sense for him in our region. And so he can make those connections because he was newer to the area. So he hasn't built up that network with the AIA and everything. He's now working full time in a firm and really enjoying it. And just helping him get there was so much fun and helping people find where their passions can align with a firm is more important to me than forcing anybody. I just like helping people, making sure it's the right decision and the right decision for them. That's a really important point because I think sometimes, especially because we're not fully baked when we graduate, mm -hmm. while we're moving to some pilot programs that let you take your licensing exams upon graduation, that's still not the industry norm by a long shot. So you go into the working world knowing that you need to get a variety of experiences, knowing that there's a lot you don't know. And I think a pitfall people can come across is tolerating things that don't light them up and feeling that this is just the way it is, is what I have to do versus seeking out what they want. And the idea that when I interview for a job, I'm interviewing the company as much as they're interviewing me. 
because if it's not the right fit, we're wasting everyone's time. Even once you're in a firm, it depends on the projects and what's going on and what the economy does. Sometimes you don't really have a pick of projects that you can be on. But I always like learning from the young professionals on, all right, what are you working on? What do you like or dislike on it? I have someone that's doing more fit out work right now. And he doesn't have that drive to it. And I'm like, all right, I need to get you on a new construction project because I think you're going to like that and you need to experience the opposite to figure it out. So then he can start to put the pieces together himself to what he likes and dislikes and just trying to experience as much as possible early in your career. So then you start figuring out what works. If someone's interested in finding a mentor, what do you tell them about getting that right fit and If it's not working out, at what point do you call it quits and move on? I get that question a lot because a lot of young professionals and people in school, everyone, we tell them, go find a mentor. Even I advocate the mentors help me. It's not as formal of a process that we make it out to seem. And sometimes mentors just plop in your lap and you don't even know that that was happening until like you look back on it. And that's how those mentors in that difficult project were for me. But I never really advocate for anybody to have one mentor. I more advocate for having a board of directors and having people in different areas for different reasons. And that's including people outside of architecture. So you could use a loved one to level set yourself, um, have a peer. So then you can kind of have somebody to I don't want to say compare to because you shouldn't ever compare your career to anybody else's. It's your own path something doesn't feel right in your gut, you can go talk to them and have an honest conversation and figure out what's going on. I usually also recommend a mentor inside the office and outside the office. So you have somebody inside the office that can hopefully advocate for you when you're not in the room, push you if they know your passions, they can help line up some staffing or have some conversations so it can really help you internally. But having that external person that if something doesn't feel right with the culture, of your office, you have somebody externally to talk to that understands architecture and what you should be dealing with. And if something really isn't right, and to help you if you do decide you want to move on from the firm, you can have mentors all over the place. They could be any industry, any other side passion of yours, and just kind of follow and reach out. And you can always get coffee every now and then. They don't have to be like, your texting buddy or your work best friend. It's just you to create it. And I can't say, hey, Angela, can you be on my board of directors? It's no, it's just I create it myself. And your board may change as you change in your career. So you'll adapt what you're looking for in a mentor and what skills you need to push you forward. That's usually why I say it's informal. And I usually look for a board because you never know what type of mentorship you need at any one moment. As your capacity grows to take on more things, as your expertise grows, as your horizons expand, you may outgrow certain mentors. Having that bigger posse, if you will, of people (laughs) helps you to see what's possible and helps you keep evolving and have that growth mindset instead of believing that your career is about reaching a plateau and then you just stay. And it doesn't mean you can't reach out to just anybody. Like I have my general board, but I usually reach out to anybody that fits the question I have. If I have a question on firm leadership, I know certain principles in the area that I can be honest with and have a conversation, but I also have friends that started their own business so I can talk to them. 
before starting Mentor Dino, I talked to a friend that started his own firm during the pandemic. And I'm like, okay, how was, how was that business process and setting everything up legally? And so that's where it was shared and what I needed. And I talked to him on a regular basis from a business standpoint, even though I'm not providing architectural services like he is for his firm. Often it can feel like there is an either or aspect to the work that if you're not a workaholic, you won't be successful. But if you have to be a workaholic, your professional development will suffer. Your personal life will suffer. I like to say those are false choices, but I wanted to get your take on that. I don't really encourage people to be a workaholic when it terms to just architecture, but I also, I'm working two jobs right now and I will be completely honest. It's most days of the week. And if it's the weekend, I'm usually doing something for Mentor Dino or even days off from the firm. It's, we get some Fridays off and I'll leverage those days to be, well, everybody else is still working so I can plow through and I work on Mentor Dino all day. I find if somebody wants to be a workaholic, that is fine. And that's their decision. I usually have a problem when they try to push that on other people and force them to go a certain direction. If you want to be working at all hours, that's fine. But don't be emailing me at midnight and I'm not answering till I sign on at 730 in the morning. Setting those boundaries, because I do work with some workaholics and I have to set those boundaries with them. And I'm not flexing into that. I don't care if you email me, I'm not seeing stuff. I like my sleep. <laughs> so it's really up to them in what they do because it's hard. Architecture is a passion career. And so it can really, like you can get sucked in and that's the same with studio when you're in college. Like you get so passionate about something and excited. It can be hard to stop at the end of the day, but you do need breaks and to step away, spend time with your family. I very much advocate for going for walks during your lunch or being outside to just be yourself in a different position, but not to say there aren't times that you need to be a workaholic. I did that when I studied the ARES. I was studying most nights and pushing through on the weekend. And you need some dedication sometimes for a goal you're trying to reach. I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a flex and almost like a teeter-totter. Sometimes your life takes more control and sometimes work does. And it's never about balancing. It's just what needs are pushing you in different directions at any one time. It's a great way to put it. I, I like to say it's integration, not balance, because exactly. especially in the modern world, we never stop working, but we never stop living. And it all kind of blends together. I also wanted to highlight something you said. You work two jobs and I'm in the same position because I have <laughs> architecting, but I also work full time at GBBN. And I think there is a difference between things that energize you and things that deplete you. And when you're energized, you're bringing that positivity to everything and everyone. I think quality of life is still high, even though you may say I'm working more than 40 hours. And I noticed even before Mentor Dino, whenever summer interns would come in, I always advocate I'll help an intern. I can help them through different things. And when I have an intern or getting more involved, they energize me because I get to teach more. But then I find if I'm in construction by myself for multiple years, it can be very draining by the end because I'm not I'm not teaching. I'm not talking to as many people because I'm just, you know, putting out fires and figuring out different situations and building relationships with contractors, which is fine. But 
that fire isn't there to kind of equal out the times that can be more draining. Everybody will come up to you and like, what do you do? What's your profession? And everybody expects you to have one thing that you're doing. And you really don't need to. I read a book called The Portfolio Life. And that really just opened up my eyes to make sense of what I was feeling with having Mentor Dino light a fire in me and that I can actually be a better person at my full-time job because of the job I'm doing on the off hours and coming together and that it's okay. And there can be ands and commas in your description of who you are and what you want to be. And I think it's also kind of the containers, right? There's things about practice that have limitations and it's not just where you work right now. It's going to be true of any firm. You cannot just autonomously go off and do and say whatever you want. You're never going to get all the opportunities. And that's just the nature of practice. So when you feel called to something bigger, that's where you need to expand your own container. And one way of doing it is like we are where we have these additional businesses. But another way that people often don't prioritize to the level I think they should is being involved in professional organization. Definitely. And it doesn't even have to be architecture related. If you've got a passion in something else or giving back to a community that really drives you, you can do that. It doesn't have to be the AIA or Green Building Alliance. I get involved in ACE. You got to go all in and you don't need to be a part of every organization or try to be on all the boards, because then you're spreading yourself too thin. And it's about identifying things that you can really leave an impact on. So if you only have time to be a part of the Young Architects Forum within the AIA, go for it and do it. If you don't have time to be on the board, go to their events, because then it at least surrounds you by people. So you can still be involved, but you don't have to run something. And you may like it and take it even further and be part of YAF National or something. And you never know where those things can take you. And you can always shift and pivot as you learn about yourself. A lot of times people feel that I set off down this path and now I have to just keep going when in fact, who said, you know, there is no career police. You get (laughs) to forge your own path. And sometimes you need a machete and you need to blaze a new trail. (laughs) Yes. And sometimes the path you take isn't the easiest one. And sometimes it's not even a path that you can see. And maybe you just saw a rock and you're curious and you want to explore. And then you discover that there's a path, but you still have to build the road because you're discovering something like there's not paths created for you. Even if you go a more traditional route, there's still its own little challenges that you won't know that you're going to face till you face them. What you wanted for yourself 10 years ago may not be the same thing you want for yourself today, but are you still draining your energy trying to be that versus evaluating and going, "Eh, it's not really exciting anymore. Can't just say I'm going to go from A to Z because when you get to B, you might see something else. It may be the top of a mountain and then you can see everything else that you didn't see when you were at the bottom of the mountain. So now you're more curious to what's over there than the direction you were originally taking. A lot of your work with Mentor Dino does focus on the AREs as just a foundational part of building a career. While everyone may not be destined to get registered, how do you know whether pursuing licensure is right for you? I usually advocate for people to start the AREs 
right away. Since you're already in a study schedule, you don't have that many responsibilities yet, theoretically. As a project architect, sometimes I'm spending some of my evenings writing down a to-do list for people that I have to delegate to. Whereas if you're just getting delegated to, you're just getting a list. And then it just helps with that learning curve and getting adjusted so you can learn things on the spot. The important part of the story series that I run is there's not one way to do that either. Everybody has their own path. I have not had two stories that are alike. I've had people that fly through the exams. I think the shortest is a week, but I had ones that they failed 12 to 14 exams and everybody in between. When I went through the exams, I failed two and I thought I was an awful architect because I failed them. Not putting anybody on any different pedestal, but just having perspective that they're not easy and it's okay to fail something and it's part of learning and growing. You don't go into a proposal and put on your resume hey, I got registered in this year and I failed this many exams. You just say you're licensed and you have this many years of experience. I don't care when you got licensed. And so that's the important part to just keep people going and motivate, giving them hope that they could get through all the exams the first try. People have done it. You can do it. But if you're struggling, you're not the only one struggling and that doesn't make you any less of an architect. There is the financial incentive of getting licensed um, and also having opportunities if you do want to open up your own firm one day. You're going to be a principal within a firm. You don't necessarily need to be licensed, but you can't call yourself an architect. And some people just want to be able to say, I am an architect. It makes it a lot easier in terms of what we do, but you legally can't say that until you're licensed. Some people get licensed and have left the profession, but they still hold that part of them. And they still are proud that they hit that milestone. And some people don't want to be licensed and that's their path. Like we talked about with discovering our own paths and people have their own reasons and they don't want to. It is a process to get through and just making sure people understand that there's hope and there's struggle and they got this and they can advocate for themselves and ask for help and not be ashamed if they fail. I remember day after an exam, everybody would be like, so did you pass? Did you pass? And It was like, oh my gosh, like I'd be worried going into work the next day because people knew I took an exam because I felt like I was being judged. And that's not how it is. It's, hey, we want to help you. And so just framing it differently can help empower people so they don't feel that they're alone in the journey. It is your own journey, but it can also be humbling when you have somebody to talk through it and have like a buddy as you're going through it. Yeah, there is so much value in having that supportive network. So thank you for really creating and convening this community. Not only is it great to have the templates of what other people did so that you see the way that will align with you and you can begin to forge that path, but I think the vulnerability Mm -hmm. is important as well, because if we feel like we have to get it perfect every time, then we never want to try. I've definitely been really impressed with the people that gave me their stories that struggled. It's been very humbling to read stories and I've cried reading people's stories. It's almost like PTSD. Like you've, once you've gone through the exams, you understand that experience, even though it was your own but you can help other people through it and check in on them. If they failed an exam, that can be really depleting. And so trying to build them up that it's okay, it happens to everybody. So then they don't have to take two years off because they just were so exhausted and then depressed about it. It's nope, it's part of the process. It's part of learning. How can we strategize? You can leverage your office. I'm actually going to be hitting 50 stories here in September. 
I really want to circle back and celebrate them because there are 50 people that were okay with getting vulnerable with me and sharing their story. I had people that flew through the exams and they're like, I don't have an interesting story. And I'm like, no, yours is interesting because you got through it and it inspires people and provides them hope. And then the other people that struggled, they were usually the ones that are like, yeah, I got this. And then I was so surprised and they go really deep into like where they were depressed and they couldn't get through anything um, or they decided to take a break and they couldn't handle it or they learned not to take an exam right before a holiday or right after a holiday. It's little lessons along the way that can help anybody and just inspire them. I know NCARB provides their numbers every year, which is really helpful, but this lets the magnifying glass get down to an individual person and you can see it from that level. If people want to connect with you, how can they do that? They can reach out to me on my website, on my contact page, LinkedIn, admin at mentordino.com. If anybody's interested in sharing their story, I just have a simple questionnaire. And so it keeps it really simple for you to participate. What else does Mentor Dino offer? Mentor actually stands for Mentoring Designers Innovating New Opportunities is how I came up with the name. I added courses. The first bundle was launched in May 2023, and I had a fourth course added the end of June. So the first bundle comes with three courses. There's a Revit crash course. So you can always buy that ahead of time starting at a firm, or if you recently started, a firm could use this bundle as an onboarding for any recent grads or young professionals. Then I have the BIM Well course. I spin it off the Well um, certification, but that one I teach more detailed Revit training, but I talk about constructability, codes, how different things are placed in Revit and drafting standards. Nobody learns how to dimension properly in college anymore. What's a wall type and what's a wall tag? And so I go through those details with them so they can be better informed and ask better questions. And both of those are recorded so they can get that upfront training, but also the on-demand training. And then the third course is actually what really drives my passion and it's the soft skills behind architecture. That one is the build your foundation course. So I teach them about ownership and responsibility so they can have ownership on projects because you're going from designing this abstract building and studio to dealing with the real world. And you may not be designing the whole building, but you can find opportunities if you're doing a feature stair or a canopy. There are design opportunities everywhere. And so gaining ownership and responsibility along the way is important. But that one, I talk also about stress, what burnout is, and defining that between stress, burnout, and depression so they can recognize it more so in others because it can be really hard to recognize it in yourself, but you can help other people and your colleagues by knowing that information. Talk about teamwork, how to receive delegation, how to give and receive feedback, how to handle your first networking event because a lot of young professionals are really scared to go into a room full of people And that spawned me into my fourth course that I launched in June. And that is the foundation to leadership. Because in talking to firms, there were team leads and principals that were actually looking at my Build Your Foundation course for their senior staff. So I took that initial course and revamped it. Principals and team leads, they know responsibility and ownership of work, but they may not know how to delegate. And so I go into talking about the levels of delegation and how that circles in with trust and the higher level you can delegate, the more time you get back in the day. I also go into giving and receiving feedback differently, guiding a team, coaching and teaching others, because even if you're not 
as good at coaching or as good at mentoring. That's just part of the profession. The previous generation is always teaching the new one. So you might as well learn some skills. I highly doubt most people went into education and then went into architecture or took courses like that. It's something for everyone. And I think a lot of foundational skills that will be something you can refer back to throughout your career. My high school English teacher used to always say, knowledge is knowing where to find it. And that is so true. So thank you for creating this incredible group of resources. How to architect is often (laughs) very opaque and people don't know where to find stuff or how to do it. So I appreciate that you have made this your passion project. And rather than feed a competitive cycle that you're actually trying to empower other people. Because if we can actually build up the profession as a whole, we can raise the bar of our whole industry. How much better would our lives be? How much less rework? The return on investment of a firm, if you can bring up your youngest staff and have them feel empowered, excited about their work, and gain that basic knowledge right away so they can ask better questions, how much better a drawing is going to be? How much less RFIs are you going to get in construction? On the team lead side, it's more about retention. Most people leave a firm not because of the projects, but because of leadership. And so if you can build up your leadership staff and make those connections and foster those relationships, how many people can you retain? But it's about the people within the firm that can leverage it. So if you create that culture of learning and trust building, people will have more fun on projects. It's all about helping firms and not being just about large firms. We're both in very big companies, but architecture is a lot of small firms and medium firms that may not have the resources and additional manpower to always be teaching and educating. Thank you so much for chatting with me today and sharing your experiences and what motivates you and the wonderful materials and community that you have created. How can people connect with you? I'm very active on Instagram. So mentordino underscore LLC. My LinkedIn, so Caitlin Rosier, you can always find me on there. I'm posting there all the time as well. I'm on Facebook with Mentor Dino, but it's really not as active. I'm there and I post. And then I'm actually looking at starting my own YouTube channel too, to just have conversations on a regular basis. So if you don't like reading and you'd rather listen, which is how I like to learn, uh, stay tuned. Appreciated this amazing conversation and good luck as you continue to mentor. Thank you so much for having me, Angela. Thank you for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. You could follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired.